over a period of time that there's that area of life that we asked ourselves, what's the difference? And there is a world of difference between Christmas past and Christmas present. Now imagine every generation has somewhat seen it. The fading of Jesus Christ out of Christmas. That Christmas is becoming more and more just about the gift and the tree. And Christ is being missed. Elaine and I, we've been watching Hallmark and some of the different things, but every uh, Christmas story is nothing but a soapbox. Somebody been hurt, somebody's fallen in love, somebody this or that, but nothing about Jesus, all about the little personal life and, and Christmas, but not about Jesus. And why is that? I believe part of it is is that what we find in Scripture. Man still doesn't want God to be involved in his sin. And we find a way to put God out of it, to put Jesus out of it. And what we're saying to a sense to God, I'll handle my own problems, I'll handle my own sin. Don't want you to be involved. Don't want you to be involved. And Christmas is a reminder to us that God is going to be involved. God's answer to sin of his people is Jesus Christ. And he's going to be involved. We may not accept it. We may not want to accept it. But God says, here I am, Emmanuel, God with us. And people try to deal with their sin without God. It might be in our DNA. Because as we look at Adam, who is the father of us all, we see him doing it. And we all try to deal with our sin in our own little personal way, uh, either uh, doing our own little penance or doing what we think is right to do that still might be wrong to do. Because oftentimes what we call right, God still says, that's wrong. But we're working at it. Now, three words I want you to grab hold of. And I want you to see through scripture today. One is love. Is love. The other, responsibility. The third one, gift. Love, responsibility, gift. Sometimes the words are not mentioned in the text. But I'm going to ask, do you see it? Do you see it? 
when God speaks, there's usually more in it than just what we're reading. <laughs> when I was in Vietnam and Elaine would write me a letter, there would be more in those letters when she talks about she loves me. And when I write back to her, using that same word and some other words, the mind could just go. Because there was more meaning to it than just what was written. Love is unconditional. I want to see if you see that. Love is always unconditional. It's not about what you do that makes me love you. It's because I love you. Not about what you do. If Elaine didn't love me, she had been and left me. Especially in them early years. Say it again. That's love. That's exactly what it is. And it's unconditional. It's not about you so much. It's more about me. One of the things I ask in marriage counseling. Do you love her? Do you love him? Yes, yes. Throw it out the window. Because today, love is all confused on what we see on the TV screen and movies. So my word to replace love is this. Are you committed? Are you willing to be committed? Because love is always committed. Unconditionally. Love is committed. I may not like all the things that you always do. But I'm committed to love you through it. Responsibility. Is there a responsibility to that which you have made, created, or given life to? Is there a sense of responsibility, ownership, that I'm responsible for this? Every company that makes something usually give a guarantee with it or stand behind it for at least 30 days or more. (laughs) But they become responsible for their product. And the issue is responsibility. We see that in parenting. Parents are responsible for their children to a certain point. Then the responsibility becomes lesser. As long as you're a parent, there's some responsibility. (laughs) But it becomes lesser. Thirdly, gift. What you do for another is simply a gift. You just give it. You don't give it with conditions, per se. That's why they use the word bonus. (laughs) Because bonuses always have a what? Conditions. But gifts are given without condition. It's just given. 
There was a time when Christmas, you could see the Christmas sights, hear the Christmas songs, feel the community. You could go down on Main Street from Yeager's, from Howard Street, all the way up Main Street. All the big department stores would have some type of activity scene, something about Christ, something about Christmas in their windows, and the sidewalks would just be loaded. In grade school, you would have all these plays going on. And even the Jewish community took part in celebrating Jesus Christ. And we had a young Jewish boy play the part of Jesus. <laughs> the Jewish community center right down here across from West Junior High School would open up their auditorium to churches to put on their Christmas play. And you could ride through the community where we used to live on Wooster Avenue. Elaine and I we came up with this idea for Christmas. Let's put a big Christmas card out on our lot. And we took a four by eight and wrote John 3.16 on it. That God so loved the world and that he gave us this great gift in Jesus Christ. And, and it just sit out there in the lot by itself as a Christmas card to the community. Everyone took part about Christmas. However, today Christmas is a stress. Christmas is something we want to rush through. We want to get over. Christmas is a bad time because love is no debt is coming. Because we can't control our spending. But in it all, we are losing Jesus in the Christmas story. Again, why? People still want to deal with their sin on their own. They want to deal with it in their own way. Turn me to Matthew 1, verse 21. Matthew 1, verse 21. He says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Then he gives us the purpose behind. Or to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you and praise you, Lord that you've given unto us Jesus Christ to save us, to be the one, O oh God, who would deal with our sins, that we would not have to wrestle with them. Because, Lord, there's nothing that we ourselves can do with our sin but to give it to Jesus. 
And Lord, we're so thankful that you take our sins and you put them as far as the east is from the west to remember them no more. To never bring them up to us again. Because you've given us Jesus. Help us to see in scripture what you have done. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. He says he's given his people. He didn't just give Jesus to a Jewish group of people. You need to take note of that. He's not given just to a Jewish group of people. But over in Luke 2.10, he uses this frame, to all people. Why? Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That Jesus Christ is for all people. Though he himself was Jewish, he was given to all people. And today we have so departmentalized that. Jesus Christ is for Christians. This is for Hindus. This is for Muslims. This is for Buddhists or a certain part of the Asian world. And we all are trying to say to one another, yeah, different names, but one God, no. That's a lie from Satan. One God, Jesus Christ. One Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and I can't explain the Trinity. I don't believe no man really can. But here's Jesus given for all people. But people do not want God involved with their sin. They prefer that God stays out of it. Why? If God gets involved in your life, as much as we may not like it, he makes demands on our life. He makes demands on our life. So we rather say, stay out of it. Accept me the way I am. God doesn't accept any of us the way we are. Even when you're growing in Christ, he does not accept you to stay where you are because he's always going to be expecting what? More of you because of the example he has given in Jesus Christ. And they prefer God to stay out of their life and that they will handle all their problems. Turn with me to Genesis 3, 7. Why don't you take a little glimpse of this, even with Adam. As Brother Beecher would say, everything starts in Genesis. (laughs) And there's a truth to that. Just about everything you find through the Word of God after Genesis... You can almost trace it back to Genesis. Based on this very fact, the nature of people do not change. The nature of people do not change. In that verse 7, 
after Adam and Eve sinned, look what takes place. He says, Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, it was not that God was not involved because earlier uh, Adam allowed us to know that God came and walked with him, what? In the cool of the day, in the evening of the day, that there was that area of also communing with God. But something God has done for all of us, not just Adam and Eve, guess what? You know when you sin, don't you? You may not want to call it that. But you know when you sin. And then comes the work of trying to cover it up. We'll cover it up. Well, he loved me and I loved him. But that don't make it right. Oh, it's okay because what they did to me. It's okay if I hurt them because they hurt me first. A a young lady shared with me the other day that when she was in court, she said, boy, I was so glad when the person said, they hit me first. And the judge at that point just threw everything out. And the girl didn't mean to say that. (laughs) But it came out. I hit her first and then she attacked me. And judge just threw it out. The thing is, we find ourselves in trouble. And we try to cover it. And we try to deal with it ourselves. Now look at the work ethic that starts here. Because if you go to Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, salvation is not by what? Our work. But the moment the Holy Spirit put the word sowed in there. It becomes a work ethic. They sewed leaves together. For what purpose? To cover their nakedness or their sin. So man was trying to cover his own sin. His way. His way. Rather than saying to God, God, I've sinned, and allow God to deal with it and become involved with it. They tried to cover their own sin, but in covering their own sin, they had admitted that they had what? Sinned. That they have sinned. They sold leaves together. That's a work. That's man doing something, trying to cover his own sin. Their thought was to cover their sin. 
And God had made it so that when we sin, we see our own sin. We see our own sin. Oftentimes we'll lie about it. Other times we'll blame somebody else about it. What we don't want to do is involve God in it. Because if we involve God in it, he's going to deal with it. But in dealing with it, he's going to deal with who? The sinner. He will deal with the sinner. And what we don't want is God dealing with me. Getting into my business. Getting into my life. We'd rather just say, stay out, God. I'll take care of it. The covering is not adequate. Whatever you do to cover your sin, you need to understand, is not adequate. It's not suitable. And what was going to happen to them, what they had put together, was not suitable. Because God knew at this point they were going to be put out of the garden. And understand, while you were in the garden, you didn't need clothing. You didn't need covering. But now they're going out of the garden. And that leaf stuff wasn't going to make it. Not suitable. It wasn't sufficient for them. Now look at love. Look at responsibility. Look at a gift. Genesis 3.21 God gives a lot of other things in between, but we're going to jump, jump over to verse 21 now. It says, The Lord God made garments of the skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. One. God made The reason God provided, because he knew what they did for themselves was not adequate. It wasn't going to really cut it. It wasn't going to really meet their need. So God fashioned the clothes. Something that would be more adequate, suitable. Something that would last a little longer than leaves. Something that had some wear to it and could take some toughness. But it says God made it. Look at the difference. God made, Adam made. Look at the quality of the difference between what God made and Adam made. God provided what was really needed. Not what they wanted. And God still does that. He provides what his people have need of. Secondly, God took on the responsibility to clothe them with the right type of clothing that was needed. God took that responsibility on himself. He was never asked, 
nor was there anybody else to direct him to do or to carry out his responsibility. He did it because he's the one who gave them life. He did it because he's the one who created them. He's the one who put them there in the garden. He took on his responsibility for that which he had created. Then the scripture says, he clothed them with skins. He sacrificed something that was innocent for their good. He sacrificed an animal that never barked at a human being per se, an animal that never tried to attack a human being because they're in the garden yet. There was not this fear between a lion and a man or this or that type of animal with a man. Men got along with the animals and so forth. The animal wasn't trying to eat him and man wasn't trying to eat them or kill them. And he killed an innocent animal in order to clothe them. Do you see Jesus Christ? The innocent one who gave his life that we might be clothed? And do you see the sacrifice of God? So what is Jesus called? The Lamb of God. That which was going to be sacrificed. That you and I might be clothed. Christmas is a reminder of that. That God gave his son that we might be clothed and not being seen naked in our sin. And then something amazing here. Because it says, God made garments and skin for Adam and his wife. And then it says, and clothe them. I like to picture it this way if I can. God just didn't throw the clothing down to them and say, put it on. God dressed them. God put it on. God clothed. How can I illustrate that? You cannot put on the righteousness of Christ. God has to clothe you in the righteousness of Christ. You can't put on the holiness of God. God have to clothe you in that holiness. You can't put on certain things. And Colossians tells you what you can put on. But yet it is God who has to clothe you. He has to provide it. But there are certain outfits only God can put on you. 
and God clothed them. His gift to them. He clothed them. They didn't ask to be clothed. They didn't demand to be clothed. It was just a gift given to them. Eternal life is not that we ask for it, it's that God just what? Gives it. Gives it. That when we accept Christ, He just gives it. It's a gift to us. In Leviticus 4 1, it talks about the high priest. But in looking at this high priest, this is a high priest that is selected from among men. Now you have to compare the high priesthood of Jesus Christ and the high priesthood of man. Both hold a position of high priest. One is selected among man, sinful man, fallen man, man who can continue to sin. This other one over here is selected from on high. Is from God and is divine and is God. In Leviticus 4.1 he says, The Lord said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, When anyone sins unintentionally and does what is forbidden in any of the Lord's command. Now catch verse 3. If the anointed priest If the anointed priest sins, bringing guilt on the people, he must bring to the Lord a young bull without defect as a sin offering for the sin he has committed. What is he saying? This high priest chosen from among men can do what? Can sin can sin. But he also says something else. The sins of this man, of this high priest, can influence and be an example to others. And that's what he means when he says, bring guilt among the people or upon the people. Because oftentimes people will sometimes try to act like they're so-called what? Leaders. If he can do it, I can do it. And he says, if this high priest sins, he needs to bring a sin offering. Because he brings guilt on the people by his influence and his example. Now go to John 8 with me, 46. Jesus Christ is our high priest in the New Testament. And this is still yet the challenge today. 
and, and this is one of the questions. When anybody challenge Jesus Christ as being God, good verse to go to. Because everything about Jesus is that we try to reduce him to only a man. Only a man. Being human. Anything that is human, anything that has been created by God and given free will, has the ability to sin. That's why he tells us about the angels that fell. That's why he tells us about the angels who sinned. They weren't in human form, but they had free will. Because if you have that free will that God has given, you have the choice to serve or not serve. But listen to what Jesus puts out here. And this is, this is vital here. Because, see, Scripture says, as Melvin was talking about this morning, God does not lie. God cannot sin. And you need to understand this principle in that statement. When God says, I'm not a man. And what he is also saying in that is simply this. What man will hold me accountable for my action? There is none. There is none. So who holds me accountable for my actions? I do because I declare myself just. I declare myself holy. I declare myself without sin. I declare myself to be this, this, and that. And who else can hold me accountable but me, myself? Only God. Only God. So in that John eight forty six. Look at, look at the question that Jesus poses. And it's so important. He says, can any of you prove me guilty of sin? Now, which one of us can make that statement in here? If you're here, stand up. Because, see, even in my life and your life, we can show the what? The sin. The sin. And what does Jesus, what's his question? To any man. And that question still stands today. Can anyone show me guilty of sin? Of sin. Can anyone really do that? And that's the question that's put. Because the only one who is sinless is God. Is God. The high priest of old, he sinned. But the high priest of the New Testament, he is without sin. Why Jesus? Because he's our high priest. Sinless. 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 He became sin 
or took on our sin that we might become like him, sinless, or without sin being charged to us. We need to understand he took on our sin, but he gave us his holiness. He gave us his purity. And that's why he says he's going to present us to the Father without blemish. Because why? We're clothed in his clothing, in his righteousness, in his holiness. And you can look at those verses on your own time, but they all speak about Christ himself being sinless. And then when you get, let's go to Hebrews 4. We'll take time with that one. Hebrews chapter 4. And 14 and 15. He says, therefore, since we have a great high priest, referring to Jesus, who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Why? We're seeing him. We're following him. We're following after his lead, his example. And we hold firmly to that which he has established, which he has done. And he says, for we do not have a high priest is unable to sympathize with our weakness. He knows our weakness. He knows our frame. But listen, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet, yet, was without sin. Was without sin. He's without sin. Go over to 7, is it 7.24? But because Jesus lives forever, he has permanent priesthood. He'll never have to sacrifice a lamb for himself. He'll never have to do anything in order to cover his sin. Why? He is sinless. That is the difference between the New Testament high priest and the Old Testament high priest. And that's why it had to be Jesus. Sinless. Sinless. Now, turn with me to 1 Samuel to give you another reason. 1 Samuel chapter 2. I think that's where we're going to find it. It's, it's, it's there that sometimes we read and read and we overread stuff. And verse 25. Get down here to it. He says, If a man sins against another man, God may mediate for him. Some says, who will mediate for him? Two men can talk it out. 
That's why he tells us, you sin against your brother, go to your brother. If your brother sinned against you, go to your brother. If you see your brother in a fault, go to him. We can help each other. But listen to the next part of this verse. He says, If a man sins against another man, God may mediate for him. But if a man sins against the Lord, who will intercede for him? Catch that question. If you sin against God, who mediates for you? Who intercedes for you? Let me put it this way. See, if me and Mark was having a problem, we could go in the backyard and what? Talk. If me and God has a problem, I can talk to God. Here comes the question. Can I talk to him face to face? Now, can Jesus talk to the Father face to face? He can do it. He can do it face to face. So therefore, in 1 John 2, 1, it says we have an advocate with the Father, one who speaks on our behalf because he's right there with the Father and he can talk on my behalf face to face. And it says, boy, if man sins against God, who will mediate? Even the high priest in the Old Testament could not... Speak to God face to face. But in the New Testament, Jesus can speak directly to the Father face to face on our behalf. That's why we have Jesus. That's why we have Jesus. Go with me to Micah for a moment. Because Micah comes up with another interesting statement that oftentimes... We overlook again. Micah 6, 7. Now, what I want you to do is listen to the question. And then, if you follow down through as he's talking to Israel, God says, I've shown you, and here's the things you need to do. But then, even down further in 13, he begins to say, I've already begun to destroy you. Because they did not follow through with what Jesus said. Understand this. God is not hiding from people. The question is, do people really want to see God and to have God involved in their life? That's the real question. Do we really want God involved? Do we want a face-to-face encounter with God? Do we really want to hear God? Or do we just want to have fire insurance? that I'm going from earth to heaven if I die. Well, you're going to die. There's no if to it. When you look at verse 6, and we pick up at verse 7, 
Here's man again trying to cover his sins. Here's man just giving thought to it. Listen to what he says. Will the Lord be pleased with a thousand of rams, with ten thousand of rivers of oil? Shall I offer my firstborn for my sin or transgressions? Lord, is this acceptable? And we know in Hebrews, calves and bull were really not acceptable. That's not the sacrifice that God wanted. And this man is saying, if I do this sacrifice, if I give all these oil, and if, if I give my, even my firstborn for my sin, would that take me off the hook? Would that remove? No. Shall I offer my firstborn for my transgressions, the fruit of my body for the sins of my souls? Now look at verse 8 for a moment, just the first part. He has shown you. He has shown you. God has shown us the way to salvation through Jesus Christ. God has given his son. Why? God so loved us that he gave. That he gave. His responsibility. The responsibility is in this. Show me another way that man could have been saved outside of Jesus Christ. Because the standard was already set. All the way back in the Old Testament. When God said, it had to be the first, and it had to be without blemish. Jesus is the first and without what? Blemish. It's easy to say, well, God just did it this way. But Scripture also will reveal to us why God did it this way. And He shows that to us in Leviticus 4 1. No matter what your title might be or what position he may put you in, you have the ability to do what as man? Sin. 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 And what God wanted as an offering was sinlessness. Sinlessness. And then... The other thing that is required that is far better than sacrifice that Jesus Christ demonstrated obedience even obedience unto death. Obedience is far better than sacrifice. And Jesus demonstrates obedience even unto death in dying for us. That he would taste death for the wages of sin is what? Death. That he would die my death. That he would die your death. 
Oh, death, where is your sting? There is none. Why? Because Christ has taken it. He says, He has shown you. He has showed it to you. Back to Matthew one twenty-three in closing. Because we need to understand that yes, Christ died for us. The virgin will be with child. And you can go back into Isaiah to the prophecy that a virgin would be with child. So God is defining and telling you how Christ is going to come. Going to come through a virgin. That bothers our minds. How could this be? If it would have been any other way through man, it would have been with sin. The only way it could be is through a virgin that God somehow implemented. Now, if you think we have problems in thinking that Jesus was born as a baby in a manger and growing up, what kind of problems would we have if he just showed up as a man? But life, for what Scripture says, growing up gave him time to be what? Tempted in every way in which we are and still be found what? Sinless. And God has shown us that he has provided. Again, back into that verse. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. God with us. Where is God at? With us. Now, I will say to you, Open your eyes. Open your heart. Open your mind that you might experience and see this loving God. Why? He says he has shown you. He's here with us. He's not hiding. The question is, do you really want him involved? in your life. Let's close with just a little illustration. How many of you have seen a child when they're being disciplined and they do? What is that supposed to do? It says, you're not there. I don't see you. I don't accept you. I remember my kids used to do that. I used to take their hands down and tell them, I'm still here. Just because you put your hands up and hide your, well, you can't see me, that don't mean what? That I'm not here. And a lot of people in life are acting like kids. They're covering their eyes. And they choose not to see. But God is with us. 
see him. See his love. See his responsibility, how he protects and watch over you. And see the gift of eternal life that he's given you in Jesus Christ. Nobody else can open your eyes to that but you. But you. It's a gift. Have you received it? It's a gift. Do you really want it? It's a gift. And Christmas is to be remembered that humanity has received the greatest gift of all in the person of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, Paul speaks of this gift of Jesus Christ as the unspeakable gift is one that cannot be explained, nor do we truly understand it. And Lord, we recognize that, Lord, he's been given on our behalf. And men are still puzzled that this God of the universe would only choose one person to die for us all. But that's the reality. And the reality, if we really look into it, is that God himself came and clothed himself in humanity and died for his creation and brought himself back from the grave for each and every one of us. He demonstrated his love for us while we were yet sinners and dying for us. And he tells us that he loves us all. He tells us it's his his will that none should perish, not even one. He tells us that he loves us. He takes responsibility of us. And he's willing to give to us that which we do not deserve the greatest gift of all, his son, that we might have eternal life through him. Lord, help us to understand it. Help us to see it. Help us to receive it. Help us to embrace it. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. As we prepare to give to the Lord, we want to give with thanksgiving. We give saying, Lord, thank you. Because, see, you're not buying your salvation. You're not doing something to get brownie points. You're doing this out of an act of love. You recognize the provisions that you have and the things that you possess. They all come from him. And he's just asking you, to give back a portion of that which he has blessed you with. Father, may you bless us and may what we give, Lord, be a blessing to your work. And may you, oh God, continue to increase our income that we might increase our giving. And Lord, may you continue to bless others with what we give. 
let it not be so much bestowed upon ourselves. But may somehow, Lord, this trickle into the lives of other people. And may you, O Lord, minister to them. And may you allow others to know this is part of a sacrifice of many others who have given that they might hear the word of God. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name.